Am I still doing the intro? I mean, why not? <laughs> okay. Welcome to Beta Project. Broadcasting from the nation's capital. Hello, and welcome to The Beta Project, a podcast bringing you unsolicited life advice, occasional self-deprecating humor, and a healthy dose of book babble. I'm Brielle. And I'm Christine. And, and we are back. Back! Oh, <laughs> I did not even put in that. <laughs> oh my god, that's gonna be really difficult to edit later. <laughs> that's fine, it's fine. Uh, will I remember how to edit? Questionable. We'll see. But we will find out. Yeah. Yeah, so we're back in uh, quarantine times. Oh, man. Social distanced as usual. But I guess our usual has now become everyone's usual. <laughs> yeah, true. Also, I'm realizing as I'm reco- as we're recording this that I put my retainers in. This is not the best way to record. So your, your give retainers? me like two seconds while I take my retainers out. Okay, yeah. sure. Because <laughs> it gives me like a lisp. <laughs> we came prepared. Ah, okay. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> Uh, we are back, and we are talking about another book, because we couldn't... Because we're trying else. to revive this, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this podcast for the 10,000th time. Yeah. So, um, hello, Zero listener. Um, I think that, like, two listeners we had from Japan or something probably does not know we anymore. Did you miss us? I'm sure they did. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they don't care. Theoretically, it's the same thing as what it was before, except better. So that's the that's the plan. I mean, better is debatable, and we will see in True. like half an hour. <laughs> okay, let me correct myself. It's the same thing as before, but different. But different. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, okay. Shall we start? Yeah, sure. So, um, the oh, also another change we made. We're gonna for for now at least we're gonna stop reviewing full novels because my reading pace is too slow to produce content. Um, oh. So we're gonna stick to like shorter stories. You know what I just realized? What? Uh, we didn't decide on a book for next time. Wait one second. Pause. Sorry. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. But can we do it like the or, Okay. Okay. Cool. By the way, none of this is getting cut out. I don't know how to cut things out anymore, so that... No, <laughs> I'll cut it out before. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I forget what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, wait, what did you just realize? That we didn't choose a book for next time. Yeah, I'll just cut this part out while we look for um, another short story. Sure. Okay. Um, should we say, should we do guess the quote? Yes. Okay. Mine is, I'm impressed you can make sounds like that at all. I have a feeling that we chose the same person for guess the quote because there were like three characters in the entire <laughs> book. So. Yeah. Um, also though, to be fair, I have like, I read this book. When did I read this book? Almost a month ago. So. Yeah, same. I just want to put that out there. Because that's when we said we would record it. <laughs> True. <laughs> It's fine. We're getting we're getting back into it. We'll have a regular schedule, maybe at some point. Okay. Okay. Who do you think said this quote? I think Gary said this. Ding ding ding. Hey. All right. Well, now I know Gary said your quote. <laughs> okay, but just read it anyway. 
my quote was Marvel at the <laughs> messed it up already. Uh, Marvel at creatures the likes of which have never been seen on God's screen. Who do you think said that quote? Definitely Gary when she, he was introducing the what do you call them the he, uh, heptapods. Heptapods. What's the main character's name? Oh, good question. I'm... Did she have a name? Cause I just realized I don't know anyone's name except Gary. So how are Did, we supposed well... to name our favorite character? <laughs> Okay. Should we just describe them? Yeah. Okay, ready? Favorite Okay. On three? Okay. Three, two, one. The main no, character have lady. one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Because I felt like I didn't know enough about anyone to, like, form a liking to them. Yeah, I think not just that, but I think the story wasn't really about the people. What was it about that? I think it's more of, like, a conceptual... Mm, rather, like it's more about the idea of yeah it's about the concept stuff? and not about the plot mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's really yeah cool, which uh, that that's one of the things that i think i really it's, mm -hmm. i think the book is kind of an exploration of language and linguistics and the way that we think and not just like a plot with character yeah that's true it's like a different type of story than what i'm using because it's less actually i don't know would you say it's less plot driven it's less character -driven. I think I think the plot is used in the story to facilitate the concept. Mm. Sense? Yeah, yeah. So, I can see that. Yeah, and I think same with the character. Mm -hmm. so that was really, and I think the way that it was written, um, in terms of like the timeline, like the way the author uses time, the sequence of events to yeah. like kind of parallel the language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You only realize that. At, like there's a specific point in the book where you realize like oh that's why the time jumps back and forth. yeah it's because the main and I think it's pretty think cool linearly. yeah it's yeah very interesting because usually you have a lot of stories where it's like it's a circular ending but this takes it to the next level right right and maybe it has to do with like his background in that like he might think in a different like the author might think in a different way than the traditional writer does yeah, because he got a computer science degree, right? So he, yeah, exactly. Um, he came with a more like technical background. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> I see you've written that in the doc. Yeah, he was a technical writer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it said like on Wikipedia, it was like as of two thousand and two, he was a technical writer in the software. So I feel like yeah, I mean, can't speak for all writers, but I feel like the mo majority of them come from like a liberal arts background. Mm hmm. Yeah. And this is like quite different. But I think I think it is really interesting that you wrote such a novel coming from a science background. Mm -hmm, yeah. But I guess that kind of just shows that when you have interdisciplinary backgrounds, you can come up with very unique things. True. Because you so don't be discouraged from becoming a writer, even if you didn't <laughs> pursue liberal arts background. True. Yeah. Whatever background yeah. you came from, be a writer is the moral of the story. I remember when I was at like a networking session, like people were like going around like talking about their hobbies and I was like, oh, I really like creative writing. And then the recruiter was like, oh my gosh, it's my life's dream to like retire. And then I just wanted to write a novel about accountants, <laughs> about an accountant. And then I was like, hmm. <laughs> but maybe it's... Maybe it would just sell really well. That sounds like the most about accountants. boring thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to meet any accountants, much less read about them. Well, that, that's very rude. I'm quite hurt. But <laughs> another thing that came up when I was looking at Ted Chang, and it's a good thing that we kind of delayed this 
recording for a month is that he recently did an interview about COVID-19. Yes. Very <laughs> strange, and I don't really know why. I feel like maybe he was just like doing PR for something else. The interviewer, like, yeah. given all the stuff that's happening in the world, maybe we should talk about this. So I wrote down two quotes that I found interesting and maybe discussion worthy from this article. So the article's mm-hmm. name is Ted Chiang Explains the Disaster Novel We All Suddenly Live In. Mm-hmm. And he's quite a, he's quite savage. Okay, the first one. A lot of dystopian stories posit variations on a Mad Max world where marauders roam the wasteland. That's the kind of change no one wants to see. I think those qualify as doom. What I mean by disruption is not the end of civilization, but the end of a particular way of life. Aristocrats might have thought the world was ending when feudalism was abolished during the French Revolution, but the world didn't end. The world changed. The critic John Clute has said that the French Revolution was one of the things that gave rise to science. That just like is so confusing to me. I don't understand how the French Revolution can give rise to science. I don't really understand this entire quote. I mean, there are like eight words in this quote that I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Which words? No, it's it's not it's not like words. It's just there's a lot of like I don't know what Mad Max is. I don't really know. Oh, French Revolution. Mad Max was like. I also this don't really know who John Clute is. So true. I don't know who John Clute is. Actually, I lied. But Mad Max was like this blockbuster movie. Huh. That was- where like basically the plot was like the world was a desert, and then there's all these like rebels who I mean not really rebels, just like marauders, I guess who kind of, like, are driving these huge trucks that are, like, filled with sand and they're trying to survive, and mm. then, like, they're, like, driving to a source of water. Kind of. I don't think I've ever... Uh, I feel like I've heard of it, probably. But I, really mm. I feel like it was known for its production value rather than a plot. Uh, I see. Anyway, so basically I don't understand this is what I... Well, I feel like the beginning part of the quote is talking about, like, there's there's a difference between, like, a lot of dystopian stories where it's, like, the end of the world... And what we think is the end of the world, but it's actually not. It's just the world adapting. Like, the French Revolution was not the end of the world, even though a lot of people thought it was. Right. So it's like, is COVID the end of the world, or is it just the world? Like, socially speaking, not medically. Right. Okay, and then the second quote was... (laughs) While there has been plenty of fiction written about pandemics, I think the biggest difference between those scenarios and our reality is how poorly our government has handled. If your goal is to dramatize the threat posed by an unknown virus, there's no advantage in depicting the officials regarding as responding as incompetent, because that minimizes the threat. It leads the reader to conclude that the virus wouldn't be dangerous if competent people were on the job. A pandemic like that would be similar to what's known as an idiot plot. A plot that would be resolved very quickly if your protagonist weren't an idiot. What we're living through is only partly a disaster novel. It's also, and perhaps mostly, a grotesque political satire. That's uh, quite a dig. I feel like this is definitely a dig at Trump. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't think anyone is arguing the fact that the United States is not the outbreak well at all but i mean other countries also experience like a lot of disruption so yes but they are doing things about it whereas the united states is um pretending that it does not exist yeah that's true so i guess that's maybe what his point is like partly a disaster and then the united states is the idiot plot portion (laughs) true but yeah so ted ching is still uh active and talking about uh 
Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he is very active. He just um, came out with a book recently. Oh, true. Yeah. But I didn't realize he was active in, like, current events and stuff. I mean, I think most authors have a general idea of what's going on in current mm. Do you um, think? I think so. You you kind of have to have an understanding of, like, how society works and what's happening to be able to connect with readers. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I guess that's probably what makes you a good author. I mean, I was listening to Hank and John's podcast recently. He was talking about book publications right now, because who's going to publish a book while the pandemic is happening? There are still people doing it, but it's not great for your book. Mm-hmm. So you can't do, like, tours and stuff? Yeah, well, also, like, there are some books that are, like, the example that he mentions, like, airport books, books that are the type where you would see them at an airport, and that's where they get the most sales those books would probably be pushed back because you don't want the book to come out now when nobody's there. Oh. Yeah. One of the things that he brought up too is that because he's coming out with his book in July, mm-hmm. he's going through the last read over the book before it gets sent to printing. And he said there are things that he had to change in the book because coincidentally, part of his book also has to do with people not being on the street and ha- like the economy crashing. Oh. And he was like, I had to change the way that I talked about it because of like everything that was going on right now. Like it just didn't make sense to talk about it the way that it was talked about in the book prior to the pandemic. Interesting. Yeah, because like conversations and like ideas around it have changed so much. For example, if the reality before the pandemic, let's say you have this dramatized version of what happens, but then that happens in real life, then the baseline of where things are is even lower, right? So then your plot doesn't work anymore because that's just what's happening. Mm-hmm. That makes Yeah. So, anyway. Booksellers are getting hit hard by COVID-19. Yeah, sure. Everyone else. I think, yeah, most people are. Okay, should we move on? <laughs> anyway, our podcast is not about the pandemic. It is about a book that came out, like, four years ago. Yeah. Okay. Next topic. <laughs> I don't know how to transition this. Good transition. <laughs> Actually, no appropriate transition. A plus. Another thing we wanted to talk about was kind of the concept of learning languages. Because the book, I guess maybe we should have started this episode by giving a summary of the book. I think Would that have been helpful? No, I think the concept is that you read the book first before you leave. Yeah, but who really is going to? People who want to read the book. What's wrong with reading <laughs> books? I mean, there is. I, I'm just saying not everyone who listens will but have why, necessarily read the book. But why would you listen to this if you haven't read the book? Because you're bored and you want something to fill your time. And you're like, oh, two people talking about books. I like books. Let's listen. Then, and then if you like the topics that they're talking about, then you're like, maybe I will read the book. If you're bored, then wouldn't you just read the book and not listen to two randos on the internet talk about the book? I don't know. Isn't that why people read book reviews before reading the book? I mean, we're not really like... a book review. We're a book spoiler, so. I... Mm, that's true. Okay. Well, Anyhow. Then, you guys will not know the plot summary if you haven't read the book. <laughs> Um, but anyways, like, so the reason we're at, we're talking about languages is because heptapod A and heptapod B are, like, the two languages that the researchers are trying to learn in the book. I lied. I do have a favorite character. It's Raspberry. Wait, why not Flapper? Because I forgot Flapper's name. Oh, wow. No, it's Raspberry. That's kind of rude. Yeah, sorry, Flapper. I feel like Flapper is a cooler name. Like, the sounds that Flapper makes, I imagine, would be Raspberry. (laughs) You know? Because it's, like, flap, flap versus, like, fart noises, right? Or, like, blowing raspberry noises? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, imagine if when we did 321, one of us said flapper, one of us said raspberry. <laughs> Originally, I think where we were trying to go with this was, like, let's look at all the ways that different societies in the world learn languages, and we can, like, have a pretty in-depth discussion. 
I don't know if you found anything, but I did not. Instead, I found the fastest way to learn a new <laughs> language and ate some of the steps. <laughs> um, and you can also know what the fastest way to learn a language in eight simple steps is by going to fluentu.com slash blog slash fastest way to learn a new language. Yep. Um, one of the, I think one of the steps was like, they plugged, they plugged their own software. <laughs> I was like, take a course with fluentu. <laughs> Hashtag spawn. Yeah. Um. But actually, actually, I do think it's pretty relevant to the book. Like, I feel like they did follow a lot of these things. Like, they definitely set a language learning goal. Their goal was to communicate with them, like, to learn kind of, like, secrets of the alien world and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, it wasn't just, like, oh, for fun, let's learn language. It was, like, yeah. we have a mission to save humankind, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they did learn, like, the important words. Actually, did they? Yeah, like, they started with nouns, the easy. I mean, I think I think this list pertains to pretty much every situation you could. It's like a horoscope, you know? Oh, like you can use just, it to learn anything? Yeah, yeah, and just apply it to everything. Because all of these are very, um, like, very broad and general statements, so I feel like, eh. That's true. Okay, for those listening who don't know what we're talking about, let me just list them out for you and you can judge. So it's number one, set language learning goals. Number two, learn the right words. Number three, study smart. Number four, start using the language all day, every day. Number five, seek out real-life practice. Six, learn about the culture. Seven, test yourself. And eight, as always, have fun. Yeah, I can't learn a language without having fun. I mean, they kind of did not have fun learning heptapod A and B. Isn't that why Gary stopped learning? But she had fun, the main character, protagonist. Did she have fun, though? Or was she just, like, trying really hard to get it right? Because it was like a puzzle. I mean, I think then we're going to get into a debate about what the definition of the word fun is. So mm, That's fair. Anyhow, email us at, um, I don't know what the... Beta Project Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, that one. About whether you think they followed the fluentu.com slash blog slash fastest way to learn a new language. Method. Uh, method. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Ted Chiang uh, looked at this website when he was doing research on how people learn mm-hmm. languages. So let we, us we can't discount that he might. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Although maybe as a technical writer, he did have like a language background, you know? Because it's like, oh, I know how to like. This is how. Actually, nah. Heptapod A and B is different from programming language. Yeah. Good train of thought, though. <laughs> it led to nowhere. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and this is why you listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we literally end our train of thought with, uh, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, look, you're at home right now. You're in quarantine. What else do you have to do? You, you have nothing better to do with you. So subscribe wherever you can find podcasts. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to end with a segment called cute things children say like maid of honor which is going to last exactly one episode okay go do you remember the context with it like for the maid of honor yeah it was something to do with a character in the book wow that's not remembering (laughs) no okay i do remember i just don't want to summarize the book it was the the daughter of the protagonist asked about 
maid of honor because she thought it was like a maid of honor and uh-huh. so she wanted to know how she could be maid of honor. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, exactly. did you want to did you want to read the <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to go first. <laughs> oh. I mean, these are your quotes. I just want to yeah. I mean, look, I'm not trying to take credit for your work, so for disclaimer purposes, I guess I did not come up with any cute things that children say. So basically, I came up with just the story of my life. That's not the story you came to me with. That's like when you forget your homework, but then you don't want to be that kid that's like, oh, my dog ate my homework. And you're like, I didn't do my homework. It's it's fine. It's uh, The people don't have to know all the horrible things going on in life. I'm just kidding. Nothing horrible happened. <laughs> Okay. On that note, let me read some cute things children say. Yeah, you'll just be left wondering forever what happened. Yeah. Okay. So a seven-year-old said, Mom, what's a humanitarian? And before the mom could answer, the six-year-old said, I got this, Ma. It's like a vegetarian, but they eat human. But I'm... <laughs> Please insert some effects. It wasn't funny. Replace that. It wasn't funny, but... I think you just need to add but um to every the end of all of these. Okay, ne- next one is not that. F- I don't know. I thought it was cute, but also kind of sad. The kid said to the uh-huh. mom, "Mom, you were my best friend until I actually got." Fun. But um, <laughs> you forgot. You forgot that part. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for a second time. <laughs> don't worry, I got you. <laughs> go for go for the third and last quote. <laughs> all right, my two year old says she has grown up. I told her she isn't, that she is a toddler. She replied, no, I'm grown up. I'm going to touch knives. But I feel like as a kid, I was always like, oh my gosh, when I'm an adult, I get to do all these. But then when I'm an adult, I'm like, I don't want to use a knife. There's scary. Oh man, the story of everyone's lives. And to this day, I still don't really. <laughs> Should we end the podcast? Yeah, let's, let's end it. <laughs> right. It's really not getting any better. <laughs> I, yeah, I really feel like our transitions need work. <laughs> it's fine. We'll, we'll work on it for next time. All right. We need to okay, give a letter grade. Should we give a letter grade for this book? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I liked it, but I liked it. I feel like if I were to like see this book as a kid in school or like a kid submission in school, uh-huh. I would say that like this wouldn't be like a straight, oh, it's so great. Like, let me give it an A. It would be like uh like what's going on until i get to the actual end of the assignment then i'm like oh okay that, so it would be that like an unconventional that, that a. was like a very long three minute explanation where you did not give a letter grade. no i said i would give it an unconventional a what does that even mean Have you it's like an a but back? like not a straight not like a straightforward a. <laughs> have you ever gotten a grade on your transcript and it said it's an A, but not a straightforward A. <laughs> well, no, because I'm the type of kid in school who always got straightforward A's. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not that that's better. And I feel like that's not as weird because it shows less creativity. <laughs> where did that get you? <laughs> <laughs> in a job in accounting, okay? <laughs> Actually, I really shouldn't be talking. I don't even... I'm unemployed. It's fine. What letter grade would you give this? And I, I would... Just give it an A, because the no letter grades work. Is that the letter? There's no descriptor to it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So a cold A is what Christine would give it. Why is the A cold? Because you gave me 
no backup, and you're just like all the all the A's are just solo. Does the A solo letter grades? Does the A need an adjective? Is I feel like you need to now? support your A. Like, why is it? I think you have like I think you've been out of school for too long. I I'm not sure Maybe. you remember how letter grades work. Maybe. Maybe I just remember the good old days when people put an A and then a sticker beside it. <laughs> yeah, and then like a this kid is doing fine. Um, <laughs> is that what people wrote next to your sticker? <laughs> All right, and we're going to finish this before it goes off the rails again. Yeah. So do you want to do the outro? Sure. Our next short story is going to be... Oh my gosh, I didn't prepare. One second. <laughs> if you go back okay, start over. in every single one of our outros that we've done since three years ago when we first started this podcast. I don't think there's one outro that happened. We didn't have to pause somewhere. In the- <laughs> okay, start, starting over, this will be a perfect kick. Sure. Our next short story is On Seeing the 100% Perfect Girl One Beautiful April Morning by Haruki Murakami. Thank you to Felicia Ao for our theme song. Go check out her band November on Facebook at The Band November. You can find us on Twitter at Beta Project Pod. These episodes can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can email us at betaprojectpodcast at gmail.com to send us recommendations for the next book or short story, or just to send some good literary thoughts. And remember, when when in in doubt, doubt, read read on. on!